My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Tony Box is a screen-free listening device developed for children. Uh, it can be used by children who are very young, uh, three and up, used easily. My grandkids are using it. I'm watching them enjoy it and gain from it. It's it's virtually a kid-proof product, could be bounced down the stairs. It's a box covered with foam and fabric layers, something that your, your toddlers could handle, and you wouldn't have to worry about their safety or the safety of the device either. Tony Box was developed by two fathers who were trying to find a way for kids their own kids to experience storytelling and stimulation of their imagination in a really magical way and primarily in a screen-free way. So Tony Box was born from that idea and it's something that I think is a, a remarkable product. I'm so grateful for Tony Box support of this podcast. Good evening, Denisons. Good evening. Hi. Okay, so I just for the sake of my listeners, I have a super special episode for you guys with our very, very dearest friends, the Denisons, who live right here in our own little community, and we've raised our families together. So Albert and I are meeting with Lori and Brian Denison, and our topic is going to be on community, the building of community, and, and some questions around what community is. First of all, I would like to introduce the Denisons for you guys. The Denisons are live right here in Cobble Hill on Vancouver Island with us. They also have seven children, and they have eight, nine grandchildren. How many grandchildren? Nine. Almost nine. Almost nine. <laughs> eight point five. <laughs> Our kids are sort of in the same age bracket, so they have, you know, adult children and grandchildren and a few at home still. So if you guys want to just say a little bit about yourself and who you are and why you're here. Well, uh, <laughs> let's see. What do we say about ourselves? We, uh, we've been here in Cobble Hill. We, we grew up in the mainland and came to Vancouver Island uh, when I graduated from university. And <clears throat> we were trying to decide where to be in the world, and we decided we would be here in Cobble Hill. So we bought a couple acres uh, 31 years ago and uh, built ourselves a home there and then started filling that home with children. Uh, the Landrys, we have seven of them. <laughs> and not just our own children, but all kinds of people come and go all the time. It's uh, And, you know, if you see the Landrys too, it's the same thing. There's all kinds of people turn up. Sometimes the people turn up out of the blue and, you know, whatever. And we, we always have a, an open door for them, as do the Landrys. And uh, so we've had a, you know, a very involved life as far as the community around, uh, different kinds of people coming and going. So that's one element. And then the other big thing I think for Lori and I is, is our investment over those years in uh, community building. And we've done this, you know, for the benefit of our own children. We're homeschoolers, so it's important that they have contact and social, social time. Also, because I think that uh, for a life of faith, you you need to have community. You need to have others to share share it with, to help each other, to reinforce each other, and to pray for each other. And so that's always been a focus for us. And I think together, the dynamic dual families of the Landrys and Denisons, we've been doing this and doing all kinds of programs and different ideas uh, for you know practically thirty years. Uh, so we've got a, got a we've got a lot there. Yes. So so what I kind of wanted to address was first of all kind of how a bit of a snapshot of our community, how we operate. But I'd like to focus for the first half of the episode, the first bit of the episode on the why, like why community matters, and then jump into some questions more around how you actually build community or how you participate in community, 
what you can do as an individual or, or as a family to kind of forward that idea. But I am going to start with a story, and you've all heard this many times, but it's one of my favorite stories, so I'm going to share it, how we ended up meeting the Denisons and becoming part of this community. We lived about an hour and a half away. We happened to meet the Denisons. Lori and I met years years ago. We both had our third baby. Lori's baby was still a newborn. Mine was, you know, baby in arms, six months old. And we met at a speaker who had come over from Vancouver. Uh, it was at a little Catholic church. He was a Catholic speaker. By happenstance, Matt started talking and, you know, sort of built a little connection. A year or so went by and we didn't really uh, see each other at all. Then we happened to be in a con... Uh, there was... Several For several years in a row, there was a Seattle conference. So Seattle is quite close to Vancouver Island. It's just a ferry ride and a short drive away. So we're maybe three or four hours traveling time away from Seattle. So we went down to a conference in Seattle for Catholic homeschoolers. That was really a really important part of our both our conversion, the furthering of our faith, but also for community building. Developed some great friendships from just from that conference, right? That was important. We met up at this conference. The Denisons connected with us. Brian met Albert and Lori and I re-met and we met a few other families that were all from the sort of Cobble Hill area. We went home and then Brian started phoning us and, and kept inviting us to things in Cobble Hill. And we lived, you know, a fair distance away. We had, you know, I think four kids by this time. Four kids. Do we really want to be traveling an hour and a half? So he would phone every couple of weeks. I'd get this phone call. Hey, we're doing something and we'd like you guys to come. You think you want to come? And we'd be like, well, no, I don't think we really want to come. We had a community. We had a Christian community here, a homeschool community here. And we just couldn't really conceive of why why it mattered that much to have a Catholic community. Now, when I say we had a community, there were some dads in the community, but it was primarily a community of moms and their kids. Finally, after probably several months, Brian, you'd probably phoned us six or seven times. And finally, I said, I kept putting you off. Finally, I said to Albert, listen, He's called again and we can't be, it's just rude. Let's just go once. And then that's just the end of the story. (laughs) So we thought, so I said, and I agreed to it. He agreed. He agreed. Okay, fine. We'll just get this guy, get the monkey off her back. (laughs) We went down to this event that they were having. It was meeting at the church, praying a rosary together, going out for a kind of a hot hike and a picnic. Lori and I were walking together with a couple of other moms and Albert was with the dads. Most of the dads and the older kids were sort of off ahead of us hiking away. What happened was from my experience, I was having this amazing uh, time with Lori because we really connected on, on many different levels. But the, the main one was that she was the only person ever other than me that I knew who was nursing two babies. So, so we were both nursing like a toddler and a four-year-old or something at the time. And nobody in my, nobody else on the planet was doing that. Right, Lori? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Except you and me. And so they're instant bond. So the day goes by and I don't know what experience Albert's having, but I'm having a really great time. <laughs> so Lori says to me, sort of nearing the end of the day, would you guys like to stay over and stay overnight at our house? And, Uh, go to mass with us tomorrow morning and I said yeah I'd love to but Albert would never agree to that like never and she said (laughs) he's just careful (laughs) and so I the men connected with us again and the older kids and you know every we were all buzzing around sort of saying our goodbyes and I leaned over to Albert and I said hey listen Lori's asked us if we'd like to stay overnight and go to mass with them tomorrow morning and Albert said well we don't have toothbrushes (laughs) We decided, okay, we can stop and get toothbrushes at a drugstore. And it was the it was the wildest thing. But his experience was similar to mine, that he was with Brian and the other dads. Oh. And Albert had not been 
looking for community. But suddenly he was in the middle of community and dads are a big, big part of what our experience was. And so, you know, I came to the realization that I was starved for community and I did not know it. Yeah. Yeah. That began several years of us coming down back and forth to each other's houses and spending the weekend until we finally made the commitment and moved down here 20 years ago. So the friendship that we have Denison's is, is, Something that we value beyond anything is just incomparable. Friendship is a beautiful gift. So, so yep. thank you for that. Yep. So I was hoping maybe Brian and Laura, you guys could sort of give us kind of a snapshot of our community because you predate us here. Now we've been a big part of it for 20 years, but the snapshot of the community yeah, it was over already these last few decades. Before we moved here, that was the draw for yeah. us to move here because it was established. Yeah. So... I mean, some of it is providence, I think. Um, I don't think there's any question of that, at least in my mind. The uh, There's been a, a variety of elements. One thing is that the, the Diocese of Vancouver Island, for a number of years, like a number, a few decades anyway, several decades, I think, was very, very liberal. The the bishop that we had, uh, Bishop Remy Duru, was, was internationally known uh, to be an extremely liberal uh, bishop. And... There were, there were a number of oddities uh, throughout the diocese that were occurring. But we had, in our parish, we had uh, our dear Father Leonard, um, who was ancient. <laughs> he, was a, he was a great priest. Totally solid. Yeah, totally solid, but also very personable and humble. And I think that's the other thing that was really important. And so anyway, we, we loved him dearly. And we also, you know, again, Providence put a, Another character in our midst, it was an elder gentleman who just died last week, and his name was John Etema. This fellow, John Etema, would, as we would come to Mass and come into the back door, he would he would slip us little documents and little things, say, oh, I think you should read this. I think you'd like this, and you'd find this interesting. Oh, I've got another thing for you, you know, and, and he'd whisper little things. He always stood super close to you, so sometimes he felt a little odd because, you know, he was talking a mere inch from your, your cheek. <laughs> but I guess that was a Dutch thing. But anyway, but he would he would be there, and he was kind of the the support team for Father Leonard, right? And he and he, and he particularly identified young families um, as needing support, and so he would it was all these little things he would do kind of quietly. Also, though, he was quite fierce in resisting some of the you know tendencies in the diocese. Um, so it, it, after a bit, you know, and I was a convert, I was a pretty new convert uh, at that point. It kind of dawned on us that. It was kind of special. Our, our little parish here was kind of special. And then the other thing that kind of set the stage is that at first there were just, we had uh, ourselves and a couple, two other families really that were the initial homeschooling families in the parish. But we all had a certain amount of evangelical fervor for homeschooling and kind of took opportunities. You know, we go to conferences and different things. Got to meet the Landrys, and we thought, ooh, <laughs> those are the kind of people who we want here. Courage. You know, we, we organized things, too. To, we started having little little things we do. And I have one key point about that I'll, ma- I'll make in a moment. We'd invite people, and we'd, we'd kind of reach out in different places, and we'd find, you know, people in other locales that were, were looking for community, that maybe were looking for, you know, a more, a more kind of orthodox uh, parish and looking for homeschooling families. And so we didn't have a lot of them, but we had some. These families would move here. Um, or they just appear, too. There'd be all of a sudden another family would appear. And then, we, of course, we'd be very supportive and encouraging. 
And so it just kind of grew that way. And I, and I think it's effort, right? I mean, there's people that were like, we had that vision and we thought it was really, really important. And so we, we made that effort, like the numerous calls to the Landry's, always right. very enthusiastic, not, not too pushy, <laughs> just inviting. Maybe a little pushy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe a little too enthusiastic sometimes. Well, yeah, a little, a little, but not too bad. Not enough to, to offend anybody. Just to let you know that, you know, we, yeah. we've seen you and we're, we're really mm-hmm. interested in you. We, we'd, we'd like to be friends, right? And, you know, a little bit of pursuit there. But um, but that's what God does with us too, right? He lets us know that He loves us and He wants us and and He pursues us. The other thing I think that actually Bonnie brought up in her little story that has been a hallmark of the activities and things we've done in our community here is the active participation of dads. And you know, one particular thing uh, that we ran for years and years and years until it was uh, brought down by COVID, and we hope to to uh, resuscitate in future, but. It's a, a very simple little thing we call gym night. And we ran gym night for about 25 years. Um, it was started by another dad, um, uh, one of the, you know, those early grouping of homeschooling dads. And then uh, I took over uh, after a few years and, and ran it for about 20 years or so. And uh, it's a really simple thing. It's just you rent a section of gym and you do gym games of all sorts, right? Um, but the, the thing about, about, gym night that I think was really, really important is that there were lots of dads participating. In fact, in the active games, it was basically dads and kids. There was the odd mom would here and there or whatever. Mostly the moms sat along the edge of the gym and solved the world's problems. Nursing their babies. Uh, <laughs> well, while nursing babies, of course. Yes. Nursing two of them even. <laughs> Some of them go play sports, come for a nurse, go play sports. Anyway, uh, thing is with those with the dad's participation is that for the kids it inherently made it special right it it's special for mm-hmm. them it was a special time and i remember many many oh, yeah. times hearing kids super excited they'd say hey guess what guess what i tagged mr landry i got mr landry and the other kids say oh that's awesome that's great <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd use the moves on me, and sometimes they'd get around me. They'd be pretty excited. <laughs> pretty <thing. laughs> and And that was, like, the best, yeah. right? That's the best, to be out there running away, sweating like crazy, um, using your, you know, the gift of your, your bodily abilities with dads, yep. right? And uh, just made it super, super fun. You know, always when we had visiting kids – uh, come to gym night with us. It never, you know, didn't have anything like that at home. And afterwards, driving back with them, they would be just glowing. They would be bubbling over with enthusiasm and stories. There could be stories and stories. Oh, and I did this. And there was that time that you dodged that way and I went this way. Or And then we both ganged up on Mr. Landry or, you know, whatever it was, right? There was just these stories. Every gym night would generate, you know, 100 stories that, that oh, yes. they remember and take away with them. And it made their lives exciting and interesting and vital and uh it's such a such a simple thing um that the, you know the, the setup the nature of it was very simple but it added tremendously to the lives of our kids and and brought people together a lot right and i've always thought with homeschooling you know mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. as much as possible uh wanted my kids to not feel like they missed out by being home and I, i'm aware of other families where the mm-hmm. where the kids actually yeah are very yeah. resentful when they're adults because they feel like they missed out and there's only so much you can do, but I think, I think you know, particularly the active involvement of your parents 
you know, and, and, and other, other parents too. And that's another sort of idea that I think is really important. In your social life. Yeah. Or of course, insofar as the parent is able. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, as much or as little as you can. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. There's only some, and everybody's good gifts and not everybody can do more yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever it might be that you're doing. But, but I think having, having, you know, seeing the active caring and participation of your, of your parents make a big, makes a big difference. The other thing that I think is important um, an important element, and Jim Nice an example of that, but other things are maybe even more of an example, is seeing the example of these other parents. You know, at a certain stage in a young person's development, uh, they start to look outside the home and compare what they've, what they've learned at home, what they've been given from their parents, and now they start to compare it with the world mm-hmm. around them. And they choose, right? They That's when they start to make their choices about the sort of person they're going yeah. to be when they and uh, and it's at first, you know, when when they're six years old, oh, you know, their dad mums the, the sun and the moon, and the whole you know universe revolves around them. But at, at a certain point in adolescence, that starts to change, and uh, and it's important that it does. It's, it's they they have to choose. I mean, faith is not a thing that we can force on anybody. They have to choose it themselves. And so all you can do is try and create the conditions that make that you know enable God's grace to work on them, and uh, and that that's the choice that they'll make. Um, so when they're, when they're at that stage of comparing and they look around them and they see, you know, say even in gym night, they see uh, a dad that gets tagged and says, oh, yeah, you got me and not try and say, no, you didn't get me, you didn't get me, you know, or 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 help somebody up when they're down or, you know, moms that rush to an inner child to help them out or, or just things, you know, or, or praying for another kid. Whatever they see, how families operate, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and see that, and they see how it actually works, and whether there's whether there's you know behavior here that they think, yeah, look, that's what my mom and dad have told me too, and I can see it, and I can see how good mm-hmm. it is. You know what? I want to be like that yeah. too, right? Um, even even some some <laughs> in some circumstances, uh, we have another another little story about Albert. So one of our sons, uh, very strong person, <laughs> name's Ben. And uh, and a heck of a guy, but uh, pretty strong. Yeah. And he, his process in adolescence was uh, one of very vigorous debate, uh, particularly with his father, uh, but also with other available dads mm-hmm. like yeah. Al. Call him out <laughs> quite often. <laughs> we, we would yeah. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yeah, you kind of wonder where he's where he's coming from. But there was a certain point when he was, I get, I don't remember exactly, Albert, what he, he was, older teen or young, young adult sort of age. And, uh, and what, what were his exact words to something like? Oh, oh it was Lori. He was telling Lori, I think this is your story, yeah. isn't it, Lori? Yeah. What he told you? You were kind of hard on him, right? Of all the yeah. dads or something? Yeah. Is. is that what it you're is. talking I'm about, Brian? I don't remember his words. I yeah, I don't remember exactly, but it was like something. The, that you, you were his favorite or that he had the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Albert was hard on him, you know. Like and he was always calling him out. I right? was so surprised when you told me, like <laughs> Ben said that about me. Wow, that's encouraging. Yeah. yeah, their internal process isn't very obvious from the outside yeah. sometimes, right? And you don't know really what's going on. And sometimes, you know, the the most difficult child will end up being, you know, the holiest. That's the one who maybe has a vocation to priesthood or something. Yeah. You just don't know, right? Or 
or uh, and and uh, and it's, they have this uh, they all have their unique path, but I think you know as far as we can help them with that, um, having of course the instruction of their parents, but then having this next phase of them looking to these other uh, adults around them and saying, okay, so comparing what I've been given from my parents and I see the, this behavior, I see this, you know, this way of thinking, this way of, of acting and of living. Um, yeah, that's, that's looks good to me. You know, that's what mm -hmm. I want to do too. Uh, and I think that's yeah. really, really important. Especially, so important. especially in those seniors. Yeah. If those other parents aren't there, that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Right. They have to yeah. see it, yeah. right? They're real. So you can tell them, but they have yeah. to see it. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I agree, totally. So I want to direct a question at Lori, and then I'm going to direct one at Albert too, because we're going to, you know, draw you guys. <laughs> so Lori, based, based on your own experience of being in a really beautiful community, you know, not just sort of a dictionary definition, but, but how, how, what is a community? How do you define community based on your own experience and what you desire for your own kids? Hmm. Well, I mean, I would say that, definition of a community is a, a group of people who have loving friendships and support each other and go out of their way to to help each other whenever it's needed in, in any way they can. And, you know, when you've got young children, most of the time, just taking after your, looking after your own family is, is about all you can do. But even brief little times that you can spend together with other families, you know, like after mass or on the phone or the, you know, various little events that we've organized, it just makes all the difference mm -hmm. that you don't feel like you're alone. normal, right? Is, is this normal? Yeah. You feel, yeah. you feel normal <laughs> when you have other people that are in a similar situation, walking kind of the same path as you and having the same struggles. And for my kids, I think for me, the fundamental kind of idea of the importance of community was that I wanted my kids to be able to keep their faith. Um, I wanted the salvation of their souls, right? That's what I wanted. And so I thought, hey, how can I help that to happen? And one of the ways I thought I could help that to happen was for them to enjoy being Catholic, you know, a Catholic kid. The way that they could do that was by being surrounded with other friends who also had faith, friends and families who prayed with them and shared their faith, did things with them all the time. And yeah. super cool, fun stuff. Too. It made it fun. It was fun to be a Catholic kid for, you know, for yeah. when they were growing up. And, uh, yeah. and most of the time it was fun for us too. <laughs> but it was hard too. It was hard work. You know, we had to put a lot of effort into it. We couldn't, it wasn't just what we did when we felt like it. We, we also did it out of a sense of, to some degree of self-sacrifice, you know, for, for the sake of, of our, our children and the families around us that we loved. And Yeah. I mean, I, I think in a sense, I, our kids have kind of grown up almost with an, with an idyllic situation and, and a, a sense that, they're going to all carry that out. You know, they're going to expect that. They're going to expect that for their own children. They're going to desire it. They're going to build it. They're going to work on it because it matters. And they, you know, so many kids grow up without a sense of community. 
you know, what a sad situation, right? They don't, they don't know, like, like us, we didn't know we needed a community, right? And yet human beings are built for community. That's what we're built for. So, so I'm going to direct a question at Albert. Hmm. Uh, just, I would like you to sort of describe, now we have to go back to before COVID because a lot's changed with COVID and hopefully it'll all go back to normal very soon. Prior to COVID for the last 20 years or so, how does, just sort of describe how our community operates, like what we, what kinds of things we do, what we, what well, we, the operation on the day to day. On the day to day, well, I mean, I'm at work day to day, right? So, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> the, in the big picture, yeah, usually we were very fortunate and blessed in our community to have our parish own lake property uh, where the rectory was, so we could just meet there at any time. So, I mean, that made it simple for our community to actually get together. Mm-hmm. Lots of different activities. It wasn't just gym night. It was. It was things like, um, you know, there was a choir for many years that they all were able to participate in because they just happened to have the same voice and piano teacher. There was activities planned. Well, a lot of them were the homeschooling activities that you guys planned field trips together. You might want to jump in and answer your own question because you'd probably have better ideas than me because, like I said, Yeah, I was just thinking from... Yeah, but from your perspective, in terms of what goes on in this community, I thought it, almost from the outside, it would be easier to answer the question than from the inside. Is maybe that's mistaken? Well, it's just inherent that, like, big part of it, like Brian said, all the dads were involved. It yeah. wasn't you drop your kids off and you go golfing. The kids just hang out with the moms. Yeah, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, and it just it was so real. Like when when families got together, the dads were a big part of it. Yeah. And we, I mean, we always looked forward to it because, because everybody was participating and you're parenting with your children, with other dads. And I mean, you didn't always agree on how you would parent and all these different parenting styles are yeah, involved but it, and you learn yeah. and, you, and you respect each other's, um, how they did things. And, um, it was amazing, quite amazing, really. But again, it didn't happen naturally. It was like Lori said, a lot of hard work. You had to be proactive about it. Another thing I might add is that personalities uh, of uh, the husband and wife come into it. So uh, probably your listeners can tell by these conversations that are happening is that you and Brian are a lot alike in the kind of enthusiasm in, in your out there. Enthusiasm department. <laughs> social social uh, skills to go out and find community, to find uh, to make things happen. And me and Lori are the types that are kind of in the background of following and uh, enthusiastic to follow and and support and, and just be happy that we have spouses that are so enthusiastic to create these. So, I mean, some couples, maybe they're both the type that aren't like that. And they have to create, they have to just go outside of their, their comfort um, zone, comfort zone yeah. and find a way to make that happen reach yeah. out maybe they can uh send you some questions bonnie on email you know yeah. to to say to get ideas yeah well i think one of the things yeah i mean it's absolutely right brian and i have, have both have the personality where we're kind of go-getter types we want to plan something we want to um do things so we have a variety of things going on some of them were brian's things some of them were my things some of them were we did together but without our spouses you know, sort of logistical support and all of that, it would have been difficult for those things to happen, right? We had to have the people that actually, you know, made sure everything, you know, happened on time and that sort of thing, right? Us table too, right? So 
flying off in every direction all at once. Yeah. And yeah. so we had things like we had gym night, we had other sports things that you did. We had a family ball every year prior to COVID. We have a camp that we put on yeah. Catholic yeah. homeschool camp that we do. The camp, for example, some of our kids would say all year, they just can't wait for camp. Yeah. All year they're waiting for that week of the year that yeah, with all the families exactly yes. i want to do an episode just on how to run a camp it's really really great and yeah to, and i'm gonna add a little bit because you know all these different com- events that we were going on in our community they didn't all happen at once one at a time you establish something yeah. and once it's functioning up and running and going well maybe you yeah. want to introduce a different activity that that runs parallel and then it builds from that like mm-hmm. 20 years it took to build all these different things that we were doing in our community. And yeah, yeah. some would come, some would go, some wouldn't work. Yep. You know, like just... we started cocktail parties recently. <laughs> you know, that's pretty new. It's a different time in life. <laughs> that was a certain stage after it's just... kids got them out the door. I mean, our children are of an age now that they can join us at the cocktail party. So that's different. But I think that that there's a quality that I think both you and I have, Brian, that that is really helpful. And I would encourage parents to really pursue that in themselves. Kind of a, a fearlessness of failing. Like, just try it. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Don't be attached to it. Just try it. I mean, if you, if you are a knitting enthusiast or a bird enthusiast or whatever, invite people along to something that you do and teach them all to knit or teach them all to identify birds or whatever it is you do, the quiet thing you do. It doesn't have to be really outgoing. And if it doesn't work out, there's no need for it at this moment in time. And so I think that that we can be quite attached as human beings. I think we can be quite attached sort of the success of something. It's when you can sort of detach, it's like, you know what? Yep. If it doesn't work, that's okay, right? That means that there's no need for it. And I think that that's a quality I feel that we're we're kind of fortunate to have. But I think everybody, not everybody's maybe as outgoing, but everybody has something that they're passionate about. And just be willing to share that with other people. And and if it's not, if not now, try it five years from now. It might be that the 10-year-olds aren't interested, but the 15-year-olds will be. And of course, there might be a community already there established that you can just join in. Yeah. But add to it. And I would say, I would encourage everybody, whatever it is you can add, whether it means you, you know, do the dishes at events that other people do, or you can, you know, send out the emails or whatever, like, like people like myself who are sort of enthusiastic and idea person and all that. I'm terrible at the emails, that kind of thing. Like I'm terrible at the paperwork. That's why you have Lori. That's why I have Lori. <laughs> Paperwork's not my thing. Yeah. If I had to look after the money for camp, camp would have been like the most ridiculous thing on the planet, right? We could have never afforded to continue doing camp. <laughs> so <laughs> Albert does the money. But whatever gift you have, put yourself out there. You know, if you see, you know, the Lori's and the, the Brian's and the Bonnie's in, in a community, okay, these are the people who are kind of running with ideas. We have to have support to do them, whether that's, can you look after the rental of the hall or can yeah. you look after the yeah. money or I can you look after you the emails? Those enthusiastic people. Yeah. Because they need help. Yeah. Because sometimes you can, you can end up doing a lot of work that you, I'm sure this resonates with you, Brian. You can end up doing a lot of work that you actually hate and you're not even good at, but you yeah. have to do it like collecting money. Okay. That's that one example, collecting money for the different things you do. Right. Yeah. I hate that kind of but- stuff. It's not sustainable if you have to do a thing that you hate, right? But somebody likes to do that. Yes, <laughs> that's right. 
How to find that person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or marry that person even better. Or marry that person even better. Yeah. yeah so, right. so here's what I want to, and I'd, I'd like everybody to sort of respond to this in their own way. Maybe I'll start with Albert and just go Albert, Brian, Laurie back to me. What does it take? What is it? A successful commute to have a successful community. What does it take from the individual? Every individual that participates in, in a community, what is it? that makes it work? What can, what are the, there's many answers to this, but what are the qualities? What are the aspects of the individual that will make a community functional? Well, I think common goals is a big one. You're all kind of your worldview and your values are are pretty much on par with each other. Not, not in every way, everybody differs in certain ways, but I, for us in our group, that was a big part of it. Like we were Catholic homeschoolers, which was pretty specialized. And we all had that in common. Our parenting styles differed a lot. So that wasn't, that it wasn't about that. It was about that we all wanted our children to learn to love God, to grow in the faith, the Catholic faith. We all believed it was the best for them. And so a commonality like that is important, whatever it is. You know, it doesn't have to be that. It could be whatever your your interests are. Find that group that are like that. That that's a big part of it, right? Because then you all want to you all want to get together so you can share your values. And so I mean, that that would be one important factor mm-hmm. that I could sure. throw out there. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Brian? Like, what what does it take? I th- I think something that Laurie said earlier I, I think is you know the fundamental thing in a way, and that is. As, a, as parents, you know, our fundamental concern is passing on of the faith to our children and that they embrace it themselves. That's a duty in life that you can, you, you just can't ever give up, right? You, you just have to persevere, even if it means phoning the Landry seven times. You got <laughs> to persevere. And, it, and not, not stupidly, like not do a thing that doesn't work. But persevere, as you say, as for example, you know, if the thing doesn't work, well, you pick something else and, and tr- try that then. But if that doesn't work, try something else and, you know, use your gifts as, you, as you've given them, but but persevere. And not everybody's going to, you know, be be leaders or idea people, you know, they just aren't. Many people just don't, wouldn't, just don't have that gift, right? And so, you know, hopefully any community can find somebody that's willing to, to do that. And usually there is at least one. Um, and even if they're not necessarily, you know, that outgoing or anything, but I think maybe the thing that would be that make them the leader is just that they persevere and they keep trying. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's really, uh, really important because we've had lots of things that haven't worked out at all. We try something else then, or even adapt too. as our kids got older, we realized that the sorts of things that they liked when they're younger didn't work so well anymore, right? Didn't have the same magic. And so we'd, we'd introduce a new idea or, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, we had lots of times to did discussion evenings with young adults and start to hit some very challenging, difficult topics that now they're thinking about and they uh, they want to they want some more answers on or they want to discuss more or, or consider more, especially in that process of choosing, deciding whether they're going to carry that faith themselves into their lives, into their adult, adulthood or not. So to me, that's I think that's a really really important thing is to. Kind of persevere with with a certain trust too in God that He's going to provide some way or other. Um, that you know, if you just keep trying, you're doing your part. So He'll do His part. 
somewhere along the line, right? It'll it'll turn out, um, and you know you don't always know. Exactly. Yeah. You know we don't have God's wisdom at all, and so we don't see the whole picture or how things necessarily will will work. I find you know for example, I've done a lot of hikes, um, a lot of backpacking trips over the year, and you know sixty odd of them now with multi day trips with young people over the years. Real, it sort of dawned on me that I'm not actually the organizer of this. <laughs> like I have a vision and I think, oh, it's going to turn out like this and like this. And I have all these schemes and plans. And then it turns out quite different, almost all the time. It turns out very different than I expected. And often in very beautiful ways that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have thought of. I could never have organized, if you want to talk and yeah. say it that way. But God can, right? And so... And so he puts it together and I kind of, I start to realize, I sort of look up and think, okay, this is obviously all your plan because I don't know what's even happening now. Uh, yeah, it's so true. You know, what, like we, yeah. we, but we have to be doing something in order for God to work with something, right? We need to give him something to work Yes, with. you've got to be moving. You've got to try. He wants us to be the ones, he wants to see that effort being made to move towards him, right? And, yeah. and even if we're totally falling down and, Failing absolutely, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. It's yeah. that trying that's the really critical yeah. thing. And then things will work out. Eventually, they'll work out some way or other. Usually, way better, and in all kinds of ways that you'd you'd never be able to plan yourself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I love the line: "God wants us to be faithful, not necessarily successful." Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Right. So, Lori, for you, what's your perspective on that? So, what does it take? to make a community work? What are the aspects of it by the individual or families? Well, I think that one of the things that's made our Catholic homeschooling community unique is that it's we've been together for so long, over so many years. And I had someone say to me just the other day, mm -hmm. they'd heard of so many other homeschooling communities that had had major rifts and had fallen apart, you know, over just arguments. And I think that, you know, not that we're so remarkably yeah. special, but I think we've we've um, tried at least to to be charitable above all else, you know, and to be forgiving of each other and, and to to know that we all have faults and, and differences and, and that, you know, we can work through those things and that we can teach our kids by our example, by, you know, the good example of all the parents, you know, with kindness and, and forgiveness and either working through difficulties or overlooking difficulties. As, as Albert said, you know, differences yeah. in parenting styles or, or, or whatever, whatever things, you know, like that, that we didn't let that come between us. We could still have a lot of fun mm -hmm. together and, and we still, and we had really important things in common, you know, you know, we invited other people to join us in our in our activities too you know it wasn't necessarily catholic they weren't necessarily homeschooling yeah for sure right we were always welcoming to other people too and and sometimes they that made them want to become part of our community in a in a fuller way and um otherwise you know we just made them feel welcome anyways so yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, Laurie, just as a spinoff from that comment, what when I see our community, and it was a few, I was a few years, I would say several years into it before I realized when I started hearing about communities that would splinter, that there'd be a riff and these families would want to do this and these families would want to do this and, and there would be this splintering of a community. And I think that the, the, 
there's two graces that I think in my mind, bigger than anything else. One is that the dads are involved, which you've, we've already talked about, that the dads were very, very much part of our community. The other thing was that we we were really have been graced with people all striving for holiness. In the striving for holiness, there has been difficulties. There has been mm. arguments amongst families or amongst individuals. There's been t- some tough times, but we've always desired to get past that. Right. Because, I mean, ultimately, when you live in a community, you're living out your faith. So the first three commandments are about our relationship with God. The last seven commandments are about our relationship with others. And so it is in our relationship with the others that we we live out our Christian faith and grow in holiness. That's the only opportunity we have. Right. (laughs) If there weren't any pesky humans in our life, we wouldn't ever attain holiness. It's so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) to me that's one of the things that i think wow you know i feel so blessed to have been placed in this group of people who've come and gone and there's been you know different families been part of this that the the primary focus of the majority of individuals is just growth and holiness and certainly of the families is growth and holiness and i think you know without that Mm -hmm. yeah there would have been splintering for sure Absolutely. Right. Lydia, I was asking Lydia if she had some ideas for questions and, um, and she said, well, how close to people, how close do you think people have to live to each other to be a community? What are you guys' thoughts on that? Ideally under 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) We have had quite a few families move right into our, our neighborhood, you know, in order to, after they got tired of driving long distances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Us, for example. Yeah. (laughs) Several other families, but you know, uh, like a long drive is worth it. We know a family that live an hour away in Souk and and they've been really, really dedicated to driving out mm-hmm. here frequently, for years for now, many years, yeah. driving out here. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, I mean, for us, we were an hour and a half away, mm-hmm. and you know, it was still worth it. Now, eventually, it was worth it for us to move here. Yeah, I mean, I think proximity you know, the closer you are to that, the more ideal it is that you can participate in the day to day, you know, the co-ops and the, you know, soccer on Wednesday night or, or whatever, those kinds of things. There's still something to be said for yeah. if you're an hour away, because I, I mean, we have our immediate community, but we also have, you know, the whole island, really. Uh, there's a Catholic homeschool community and, you know, like camp would draw those people, right? Yeah. Or there would be different, like the ball would draw those people that'd be worthwhile for them to travel an hour or two to come to things. Yeah. And our broader community are the ones that we only see once or twice a year that come to the big special events and a few days or a week. And, and, yeah. and they're a really special part of our community too. And our, and our friends have yeah. developed, our, our kids have developed some really important friendships, even with those families that we don't see as often. Yeah. 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 Early on, when in those years when the Denisons were phoning us, and we, when we started traveling the great distance in the to phoning go, us years, I, I uh, we came across a book called "Only uh, Catholic Strong Catholic Families Will Survive." Only heroic Catholic right. families will survive. Yeah, and it was a series of essays, I believe, for different people, and one of them was Father John Harden, who I believe he was Mother Teresa's mm-hmm. spiritual director. Um, yeah. very holy man. And I read that what he said about how um, Catholic heroic Catholic families, in order to survive, will have to travel great distances to be with like-minded families and communities. And yeah. I took that to heart. 
And that was yeah. one of the things that made me realize we need to we need to just keep yeah. doing the drive. It was a lot to pack up a kid for a week the kids for a weekend and and we decided I would do the commute and leave the family in the community and I could go go away in the morning, come back at night and Bonnie would be with the with the community, with the kids and yeah. it worked. It was experimental, but that was twenty one years ago. We saw it through, and it was. I have no no regrets. Of course, there've been complaints, <laughs> but that's natural. That's uh, different. <laughs> that's the natural human condition, of course, right, Bonnie? <laughs> but yes, <laughs> lots of lots of uh, forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. So here's another question. I think it's important for families to kind of know. Uh, you know, that distance is one question, but how many families would it take to make a community? What's your, what's Denison's, what's your opinion on how many families is the minimum? How many families is the maximum? What's the, what's the sort of ideal? Uh, you know, we, uh, we don't need, you don't need that many really, especially if you have bigger families with lots of kids. I mean, two families together in yeah. that case, pretty big party, right? You don't, <laughs> you don't need that many, but yeah. so I don't, I, you know, three or four, I think is, would be, you could do a lot of things with three or four families. I yes. think um, we had at our peak, and this is a small parish, so uh, we had 15 homeschooling families uh, quite a few years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was a lot. In fact, it, it started to be almost, you know, kind of unmanageable in a way. It was just hard to – we had too many people at gym night, for example. <laughs> just, you know, the the, the uh, yeah. Yeah. to be uh, starting to was, be kind of yeah. dangerous, right, because it just – A little unruly. Yeah. Well, just too many people, you could hardly run without whacking into Tripping over little kids, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, a few years ago, probably 10 years ago or something, we were having this discussion about, you know, as our, commun our community started to dwindle, as kids, people got older and their kids were finished schooling. And so they weren't, there wasn't, they, they still lived here or they lived close by, but they didn't really have actively participating children anymore because they were becoming adults. You know, we went through a phase of talking about, you know, should we move back to... Nanaimo, right? Should we move back to Nanaimo? And I know I brought it up with Lori because I was I had very mixed feelings. Like it's hard. It's hard. An hour, hour and a half commute is hard. Is it viable still to do this as the community dwindles and there's less people and whatever, whatever? And I remember Lori saying to me, I don't know if you remember this, Lori, but you said, okay, what if there was nobody else? Was it, what if it was just us and you guys? And I thought, nope, would still be worth it. It was just our two families. And I mean, some of our kids connect age-wise and all that, but some don't. But there was yeah. still a, yeah. a sense of community between the two of us. There's 14 kids. That's a small school, <laughs> right? So yeah, was it was it still worth it? Of course it was. So how about you? Do you have, what do you think about maximum, minimum? What's You don't need very many. No, no. I, I think if you, if you have a family, another family that you connect with and you can do a lot of activities with and you get along yep. great. And yeah, that's, that's and, the core. Uh, that can work. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, that's a good starting point yep. because that's a blossoming yep. that can happen and attract other families. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's how it happens, right? It doesn't happen with five, eight families all at once. It starts with yep. families that, that start something beautiful that attracts people Look at yeah. those families. I'd like yeah. to be part of that. Yeah. yeah. What have they got that I'm missing? Right. Ultimately, what we ask ourselves, right? We what we ask ourselves. Yeah. There was, there was just two homeschooling families in our parish when we moved here, and 
Right. It was meeting their kids that made me want to homeschool. I had never considered right. it before. Right. And I met yeah. their kids. And there was something different about those children, something special yeah. about those children. Yeah. I, I want that for my kids. It drew yeah. me in. Yeah. After we had visited down here for a few years, probably, you know, five, five or six years, really, we had, were driving down maybe once a month or something like that. You know, we had just put an addition on our house and, and we had also had the, the highway and from that went around down the island had been a, a new improved highway and cut about 20 minutes off the commute. We had spent the weekend with you guys, you know, one of many, many weekends we had spent and we were driving home. We'd get the kids all ready for bed and we'd put them in the car, jammies on and all that because we knew they'd fall asleep as soon as we got in the car we had this long drive we weren't five minutes out of the driveway and I just started to weep you know and I said it doesn't even make sense what we're doing why are we leaving this to go home to nothing <laughs> right? you know and that was the real turning point for us and I, I just was thought there's something so wrong about driving away from this community and not being a part of it and living here and it yeah. was at that point that Albert said well, maybe because his business was in was in Nanaimo. Still is. Still is. And so what do we do about that? He said, well, maybe now that the highway's improved, you know, maybe we could actually think about me commuting and us living here. Yeah, it just changed everything, you know, that we, we suddenly could think outside the box. I think it is pretty important. I'm aware of other areas where they have, you know, they don't have enough of a core, right? So they have people that but they're all an hour away from each other or whatever you, you kind of need that core like it's even you know the incidentals the the bumping into each other thing or or oh well i'm driving i'm going over here so i'll just pop in for that or you know what i mean that, that or i'm having an emergency can you watch my kids that's yeah. right right for sure yeah any of those things that come up especially you know if you're going to the same uh, the same mass together. I think that's really important too. Mm -hmm. Still, you know, there's a, to me that's a lot of the that mm -hmm. fabric of the community are not just the events that are organized, but the little bits that pop up here and there through the week, um, where you just see each other for a minute on something or other or or whatever, close enough that it's you know easy to do. Uh, Albert just picked up a window for me today. Good <laughs> <laughs> thing is, business is in Nanaimo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty good. You know, so he does that little thing. And, and if I was an hour away in the other direction, it'd be like, wow, I'd be a big asshole. Then he's got to get it from work and drive all the way out some other place. But as it is, it's almost on the way home and, and he just could pop. It was very, yeah. For you to have to drive all the way there and back and I'm already there. No, it's simple. Yeah. So I want to I wanna wrap up with a question I would like you guys to each just take a minute or so to answer because my listenership is, is younger families, right? Definitely younger families. What's something you would say to a young family about community or about building community or about building being part of a community? What's one word of advice that you would give to a young family coming up? Maybe they've moved into your parish or maybe you've met them somewhere and, and they, don't, they lack community. Why don't you start with you, Albert? It's hard with COVID right now because there was a time where you can go for coffee after mass and meet people. But, you know, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there, meet people, talk to people, even if it's difficult. Chat people up, find out what's going on. And if you get invited to gym night, just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't, just stop saying no and just say yes. <laughs> What about you, Brian? What's a piece of advice? Actually, the very thing in my mind that when you asked that question that popped into my mind was be not afraid, right? <laughs> yeah. The same idea. 
be courageous yeah. and and uh, you know like it's hard on a human level if somebody we all really really have a tough time with rejection right it always feels very personal and but but you know you you just have yeah. to be bold and be not afraid and and be willing if it doesn't work you know or whatever you don't take it personally you just just keep trying you know there's all like if you're not an organizer type but maybe you can find one or maybe you can be one anyway and you can just look up ideas or suggestions online right and and just do a searches there's thousands of people that have come up with all kinds of things to do if you're not really an idea generator i mean bonnie and i probably mm. have you know, 40 to 50 times more ideas than anybody could possibly do. <laughs> yeah, Noah has a lot of ideas. We got that going for us. <laughs> Noah's He's in the Guinness Book of World Records, I think, but but still, a lot of ideas. And, and you know, not, certainly not all of them are good, and most of them are not. Um, but, you know, even if you're not that sort of a person, you can't find that sort of a person, or you're not, they're not in your community at all, for, you know, use other people's ideas and, and, and give it a whirl. Uh, even, you know, Often, yeah. if you just start something, like even if it kind of flops, then people like once you've started, people have probably tried to help or whatever. They'll see it's not very well, or you're overwhelmed yeah. or whatever, and then they'll be motivated mm -hmm. to try. They'll all, yeah. you know, oh, I feel sorry for you; it's not working very well. How how about I do this, you know, or I do that, or to help out to get this thing going more, and you know. But somebody's always got to be yeah. the spark plug. Somebody's got to be the one to just be the first one. Even if it feels kind of lonely, even if you're, you know, worried about being rejected or whatever, uh, somebody's got to be that one that takes that takes that risk of uh, trying to initiate things. Yeah, and, and maybe it has to do it a bunch of times, yeah. right? But it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lori, how about you? I think probably to um, be prayerful about it. Because it's hard to know. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're the one that has to move. Maybe you're the one that is supposed to be inviting people to come and live in your community. Or maybe you're the one that needs to go somewhere else. And maybe you, who knows, maybe it could involve a career change, you know, for one of the parents or a different lifestyle, uh, maybe a, a downsizing, you know, or a, um, I don't know. Of the children? No, the children. <laughs> <laughs> financial downsizing might sacrifices. some sacrifices need to be made yeah anyway no, perhaps no, we're almost there too, tempted, so. though. No, no, okay, well, children, okay no um but just to be prayerful about it and be praying for direction from the holy spirit and and ask you know yeah. ask yeah. him to help you build up a community for your yeah. family yeah beautiful Okay, so I'm going to thank you, Lori. I'm just going to share this is one just one tiny little micro reason to be in community to live in community and, and to explore community and build your community is that where where I'm thinking myself, my own answer to this question, what would I say to your young family, Lori would say, be prayerful, I would say, have a potluck. <laughs> So over the years, Lori, if I was having a problem, Lori's first question to me would be, you know, I'm practical and, you know, a doer and all that. Lori's first question would be to me, well, have you prayed about it? Right? And, and I would think, right. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, well, just have a potluck. <laughs> you know, but it's because we have the let's have a potluck and the other person saying, well, let's pray about that issue. That's just too 
extremes in a community that brings you into a greater wholeness as a person. The more people that you are around, doesn't matter, you don't all have to agree on the same things, but you're all going to have qualities that you can admire in the other. There's always, somebody is always going to do something better than you. And then you can emulate that, right? Or even your marriage. You know, your marriage has to be raised by the fact that you're living with other faithful Catholics. It has to raise the bar because you you yeah. are surrounded around people who, without ever saying a word, yeah. there is there is a standard. And we want to be part of it. Have a potluck. <laughs> yeah, have a potluck. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, guys. Does anybody have anything else to say? Something came to my mind just when you were talking about that. Like, I think community used to be just a thing that that was just natural. Mm -hmm. And like the parish was actually your community. There was a time that everybody was on the same page in the parish. You all believed the same thing. There aren't all these flimsy ideas coming in that are changing the way people think. And Mm -hmm. everybody thought the same way. For the most part, I believe, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that's the way it was. And so every your community was your parish. And the idea of the parish was that you all grew together and you're all yep. working together to help each other get to heaven. That's the idea. And I think we've lost that yep. in our Western culture, the mm-hmm. modern culture. And that's why we have to be yep. heroic Catholic families to try and get it back because it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not there anymore. No. The and really, it's enormously needed. I mean, the thing that zeitgeist of the times we're in is a, a period of loneliness and isolation. I mean, the, the you know, certainly COVID has exacerbated that tremendously, but it was already there. That was already a very yeah. uh, strong yeah. trend line in our, in our culture, our broader culture in the West. Um, you know, gradually people are moving towards being singletons living on their own. Right. And you wonder if, if uh, COVID, the silver lining in COVID is that it's brought it so much to the fore. Right. Loneliness and all of that, that people will hopefully seek, you know, seek more. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but at first, you know, people would stop having children and we've had that for a few decades now. And now, you know, people don't, they either don't marry ever or they can't stay married. And uh, so that's what I mean. They kind of ended up, in these lives where they're completely on their own. And they may have some circle of friends to some degree, but many, many of those people feel isolated and lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think probably mm-hmm. they they live lives that are pretty centered on just what they what they want. And what they really need is to give up of what they want for the benefit of others around them. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's yeah. actually gonna make them happy and they won't yeah. they won't feel despairing, you know. Uh, and of course, it's hard, right? And community facilitates that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, Bishop Barron has a great um, line. I wish I remembered which video it was from. I don't remember. But he said, if you don't know what to do with yourself, like if you don't know what to do with your life, pick any of the works of mercy, anyone. Just do it yeah. for a while, yeah. right? God will direct you. You know, so what we're doing as part of a community, you you are forced as raising a family, you're forced to do the yeah. works of mercy. Yep. All of them. <laughs> Feed the hungry, clothe the naked. That's right. Give drink to the you thirsty. Know? But again, you take one step and then God can direct you from there. I think it's time for us to go down and have another Moscow mule. Okay, so we can wrap it up here. Thank you so much, guys. That was awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, see you downstairs. Bye-bye.